always forget that microphone. Hello and welcome to the United Community Channel. This is your latest Manchester United news. My name is Jack. Welcome to the channel. Uh, and as always, we've got plenty to talk about tonight, guys. Uh, and, you know, really, really uh, interesting stuff coming out about Manchester United. But what's new? Uh, we're going to talk about the storm in a teacup as Andre Onana comes out and backs Garnacho after his, uh, I suppose, Instagram post is deemed to be slightly racist. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Richard Arnold uh, and he's likely to leave Manchester United in the event that uh, Sir Jim Radcliffe is, uh, I suppose, successful in his bid for a minority stake in Man United. We're going to talk uh, about Manchester United uh, and their revenue as they announce uh, record uh, revenues for the 22-23 calendar years. And we're going to talk a little bit about Jadon Sancho as well as more of the details around what he can and cannot do uh, in and around Carrington are revealed. Uh, And as usual, guys, please do smash a like on the video. Uh, hit subscribe if you're new to the channel and get your comments in below. Great to see so many people in. Uh, as usual, Owen is there, Reese is in, Ben, uh, Oshin. Great to see you all, as usual, guys. Um, but yeah, look, I suppose we can jump straight into it. Uh, and, you know, we'll talk about, first and foremost, about Garnacho and Onana. And you know what? For once... Online sanity has prevailed, you know, with um, you know, with I suppose people blowing things way out of proportion, you know, and especially on the internet. And I know we are on the internet, which is uh, you know, quite ironic as well, but we try and keep it as uh as sane as possible here and as 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 grounded as we possibly can. Uh, but look, let's go through it anyway. Uh Reports today suggested that Alejandro Garnacho could face disciplinary action over a social media post in which he used gorilla emojis over a picture of Andre Onana's penalty save. Uh, Garnacho deleted the post once he was advised of the potential racial uh, connotations involved, but the FA is aware of it and could yet charge the winger uh, with a breach of their guidelines around racially sensitive social media posts. Now, this is, uh, I mean, look, we we have to cater to both sides here as well when we're talking about this. And, and, and of course, you know, zero tolerance against racism in any way, shape or form. Uh, but what I do have to say about this is that this is more than likely an innocent mistake from a child, basically. I mean, Garnacho is in the public eye, but what is he, 18 years of age, 19 years of age? And... Um, I think uh, I think it was blown way out of proportion. He deleted this after about 15 minutes. I think, you know, it's pretty me where I, I, I have nowhere near the kind of online presence that these players have. I understand when you say something online or you make a TikTok or you put up a post and people instantly don't agree with it. You can see it in the comment section straight away. You can just see it. It's It's right there. Uh, straight away, and I'm sure that's what Garnacho saw when he posted what he did. Um, and there was, you know, th- you know, people picked up on it pretty quickly. In fairness, that would kind of went under the radar, but you know, obviously, after 15 minutes, when you have the kind of following that he does, people are going to pick up on it, and uh, they did, and they jumped on the bandwagon. And initially, my thoughts on it was. You know, people are just looking now to while, you know, the FA and, and the Premier League and so on and so forth, they've got to do their due, dil- due di- diligence. Um, I think the response from Andre Onana is just going to completely negate the whole situation, which is the right thing to do. You know, I love Andre Onana, as you can see um, in the, you know, in the, uh, the thumbnail right there. I love Andre Onana. Okay. He doesn't. Mincy's words. He doesn't mess around. He doesn't get caught up with this media fame nonsense. You know, he just wants to go out and do his job, play football and, you know, and get on with, you know, with doing what he does best. And he done the right thing today. He really did. Um, so he, he he put up an Instagram post uh, of his own uh, and he backed Alejandro Garnacho to the hilt. Uh, and this is what it says. It's absolutely brilliant. Uh, in my, Let me just open it up here in, um, in a new tab. Uh, people cannot choose what I should be offended by. I know exactly what Garnacho meant, power and strength. This matter should go no further, you know. 
And sorry, let me move that uh, out of the way just so you can see it all. And I mean, that, that what a great way to just end all of the online and all of the, you know, the media speculation on what's going to happen and this and that and the other. I loved it. I have to say, I really did. And I, he, he's just, he, he just, I was going to say he kind of epitomizes what a footballer should be, but he epitomizes what society should really be. Not jumping to conclusions, not getting too carried away. I mean, the picture has Garnacho hugging him, you know, and uh, it's it's just, uh, I, I was just delighted to see it. I really was. Garnacho then went on and shared the uh, story to his own Instagram post as well. Um, and, you know, there was, uh, I think, Ama then also, you know, shared it as well. So it's the matter dealt with, I would say. Now, look, what does this mean? Does this mean that the Premier League and the FA still have to maybe go through their rigmarole and, and he might still get suspended, a slap on the wrist? I don't know. But I think the fact that the person who it was about has come out and said, cop on, th this is nothing, you know. Now, I'm sure you will have the, you know, the the very extreme side of organizations that will come out and say, you know, it doesn't matter whether the guy who he aimed it towards, you know, thinks it wasn't a racist, or we do because, you know, we find it offensive. And it's this, it's this kind of narrative of, feelings are more important than the actual truth you know what i mean and i don't know whether that might be the case maybe it will uh we, we, we certainly will see uh in the coming you know days and weeks but uh I, I don't think it's going to be too much of an issue now that onana has come out and done that and it's great to see characters like that within your dressing room you know and i think it's probably one of the main reasons why you know besides outside of the goalkeeping ability of onana that to eric ten hag probably wants to have people like him in the dressing room, you know, strong-minded, no bullshit, just get on with it, you know, no pussyfooting around, as they say. So I'm really, really happy with it, I I have to say. Let me see what you think in the comment section here. Um, Sound glitchy. Is the sound glitchy, guys? Is the sound glitchy? Um, let me know if it is. Um... Uh, Reese says he didn't think about what it could mean compared to what it really meant. Uh, Owen, thanks for the two months. Uh, excited for the live today. Really appreciate it, man. Aaron says a bit like Cavani. Uh, wouldn't uh, it be? Do you think? Yeah, similar to Cavani, absolutely. Uh, and I think, um, I think, uh, yeah, I think. Look, I, I think the fact that um, the fact that Onana has come out and and you know just Tron you know, ice cold water over the fire that the media and online presence are, are, are trying to stir up, then I think it's, uh, you know, I think it's going to be okay. But again, look, let's see what happens. Um, Oshin says, uh, Onana's response should negate it, uh, but this is 2023. PC woke nonsense seems to be prevailing. Exactly. Like I just said there, we're in a, we're in a, we're in a, a, a time now where, feelings are more important than facts you know so yeah it's uh let's see what happens onana is a great man uh with social media uh, and he's such a nice guy uh niall says snowflakes reading into something that a young lad put up on social media trying to make an issue out of it uh would we live uh oh sorry world we live in now unfortunately uh let's see um, Scott says Onana's post says it all There was no disrespect meant uh, Shane says If De Gea comes back Onana won't get in After the AFCON uh, I don't think um, I I don't think David De Gea is coming back And I think it's so strongly That I didn't even include it In tonight's news But again we can talk about it What do you think? You know if it's something You want to talk about I mean reports did suggest That De Gea could potentially Come back on a six month Short term deal from January to the end of the season to cover Onana being in the, the AFCON. Again, it's not 100% confirmed that he is going to be going there, but I don't think it's going to happen at all. I really don't. And why would De Gea come back? If it was, if it was um, 
Eric Ten Hag, who, you know, who pulled the trigger on not offering him a new contract, why would he want to come back? You know what I mean? Now, I'm the Hay does strike me as a kind of a man that doesn't hold too many grudges, and he also loves Manchester United. So, you know, maybe there is something there. I, I would be hugely, hugely surprised if the Hay does come back. Uh, Luke says, look at Osman like he took it the wrong way. Uh, there was a court case. Football has turned into every single uh, thing that can be considered racist. Racism has no place in football, but not this. Um, Ajax are two down. Ajax are in big, big trouble this season. I think they're in the relegation zone in the Eredivisie as well. Uh, David says, it's the age we're in now. People aren't offended. Uh, they want to be offended on behalf of other people. Great, great comment, David. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, good job they don't listen uh, or read some of our chats, says Ben. Uh, and Reese says, I mean, I think Onana may still uh, be started. And if he doesn't do well, the hair will come in uh, on that's only if he comes back. Uh, Scott says, the head just loves United. Uh, he would make Onana a better keeper uh, in a matter of weeks. Uh, and Oshin says, can't see the hair coming back, especially on a six-month deal. Heard in another report he was going to retire. Pure paper talk and proves what a big uh, club we still are uh, that they're writing about us. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Manchester United is guaranteed to get you clicks and headlines. But the thing about David De Gea that I would say more than anything else is, I mean, I do think he's still a very good goalkeeper. He doesn't fit the way Eric Ten Hag wants to play. Uh, and I think for that reason and, you know, the mistakes that he did make at the end of last season as well, in the second half of the season, I think is probably the main reason why Ten Hag decided it was time to, to, to change goalkeepers. And he hasn't got a club yet. Now, that doesn't mean that he's not a good goalkeeper. It just means that none of the big teams that he would like to play for are in for him. You know, look around at you know, the, the top five leagues, the top clubs in Europe, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Juventus, Bayern Munich. None of these teams are looking for a goalkeeper. Now, he did get offered silly money to go to Saudi Arabia as well, and he turned it down. So um, maybe he will retire. I don't know. I think he I think he would be foolish to. I think, you know, what age is he? Is he 31? Let me see. Uh, he's 32 years of age. Yeah, I mean, that's still very young for a goalkeeper and he's got a lot of football left in him. So I would be disappointed if De Gea retires because I like De Gea and that doesn't get away from the fact that I, I did think it was probably the right decision to move him on, uh, but I still have great time for him. Uh, and obviously we had that debate when he left. People were calling him a legend of the club. I don't think he was. Um, legend gets thrown around too easily these days and... When you say a legend of the football club, one died this week, you know. <laughs> Are you putting him in, a, in the legend category alongside the likes of Bobby Charlton? I certainly wouldn't. And, and that's my reason. And that's not, a, that's not a dig at David De Gea. It's just my own personal criteria to be called a legend is quite strict. You know what I mean? Um, Dylan says Onana gets injured what do we do then definitely need two good quality goalies in my opinion well Dylan the one thing I would say on that and, and I know exactly where you're coming from obviously we haven't seen Bayinder and and you know what what is he like now obviously you know he, he was handpicked by um, Eric Ten Hag to come in as the number two for the way or the type of goalkeeper he is he's, he's a very possession based goalkeeper also so if, if Onana did get injured I'm sure you know, Eric Ten Hag is happy to rely on by Inder. And Tom Heaton is still a Premier League standard goalkeeper. I know he's our third choice, but he is still a Premier League standard goalkeeper. He would get into probably nearly half the Premier League teams, I would say. Uh, maybe not as a first-choice starter, but uh, certainly as a backup. So, I, I look, if Onana goes to the AFCON, it's not going to be the end of the world. I, of course, I want him to stay. But I do think still that by Inder and, and Tom Heaton are you know, more than capable of covering, you know, it's up to 10 games that he could be missing in January. So, and I think that's, and uh, you know, Alex Ferguson was very steadfast throughout his time at Manchester United that, you know, he did say that one of the main reasons why uh, he was, he was reluctant to sign African players was because of the AFCON and because, you know, you're going to chance losing these players throughout the season. And 
his priority was Manchester United over anything else, you know. Uh, Luke says, I think there has to be a teething period in any job. Goalkeeper is one of the biggest jobs in football. Uh, Onana is under pressure and needs that one moment to flip the script he had. Uh, I'll judge him from now on. Yeah, look, and we said it when Onana came in, you know, that we, uh, well, I said it, you know, and a lot of people was, were agreeing in the chat that we were happy with it. But the the, the number one position in, at Manchester United is up there with the most scrutinised position in world football. You know, it really is. And I was thinking today, the fact that Onana didn't take number one, the jersey, and Bayinder didn't take it either. The number one jersey is free. That's what I'm saying. Is the number one jersey reserved for a goalkeeper? You know, or let's say Erasmus Highland was coming in and he said, no, I, I, I don't want the, you know, the, the number 11. I want... I want number one. <laughs> Could he get it? I don't know. Anyway, that's just me uh, procrastinating in work today. Uh, Oshin says, uh, Real should have gone for De Gea. Can't believe uh, they took Kepa. Yeah, I know. I was I was uh, surprised. But again, you know, uh, yeah, well, would De Gea want to go there? He probably would be backup goalkeeper to uh, Courtois as well. But yeah. Uh, are the mistakes De Gea made last season worse than Onana's this season so far? I think they are. Yeah, I think they're worse than him. Um, Onana has made a couple of errors, and I think he's only really made one big mistake, and that was the one against Bayern Munich. But if you look at David De Gea last season against West Ham in the FA Cup final, there was countless, you know, poor, poor mistakes that he made as well. But... Look, I mean, if De Gea was still at United, we would still probably be saying now, why didn't we go for Onana in the summer? You know, fans are very fickle. And I, and I you know, we're all in the same category. You know, you, you just look at, say, when you're going through a rough patch, like we have been the last few weeks, every player that's out injured or that's missing seems to be way better than the players that we have available. And that's always the case. You know, where people are saying, I can't wait for... Uh, I can't wait for uh, Kobe Manu to come back, you know, and get into that team. People are not realizing this kid is fucking 18, 17, 18 years of age. You know, it always seems to be that way. And, and that's just fans for you. And that's why we love the game. We just, we're, we're emotionally attached to everything that goes on at the club. And that's all right as well, you know. Aaron says, do you think it could be a coaching role uh, for the younger keepers, maybe even Onana? I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, Reese says, some people think it's crazy disrespectful to be in there because he hasn't even played yet. He will, though. He will. Big difference between club great and club legend. Yeah, absolutely, Oshin. Luke says, uh, do we remember what De Gea was like at the start? He fumbled the ball and let in a few easy saves. Do we think the United goalkeeping role is something you grow into uh, and is harder than any other? Well, the one contrast I would say between De Gea's start and Onana's start is... Um, when De Gea signed for United, he was 18. Onana's 27, you know, so he does have the, you know, the, the experience of age on his side, you know. Uh, Barry is in, he says, who's the most recent United player that would fit uh, your strict legend status? Oh, Jesus Christ, I mean, that's a really good one. I mean, the last one, the last one, the last player that goes into the legend category. Oh man, it's 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 probably Wayne Rooney. It has to be Wayne Rooney. You know, I wouldn't even put Robin Van Persie into the legend category, even though I absolutely adore him and he was one of my favorite Manchester United players at the time. He just didn't do it for long enough at United. Now, if we had Van Persie when he was twenty-four years of age. I think he most certainly would be in that category, but I think Wayne Rooney is the last real legend that was that that's that's played for Manchester United. I really do. Um, again, we had the debate over Cristiano Ronaldo. Is he a legend of Manchester United? I think he just misses out, and I know I'm going to get a lot. Of, I'm going to get a lot of flack in the comments for people who haven't heard this. You know, um, this um, I suppose opinion that I have. Ronaldo is a legend of the game, but a legend of Manchester United. He had two, he had one world class season 
and one really good season the season after 08 and 09. Does that get you legendary status at Manchester United when you look at what Bobby Charlton done? You know what I mean? What you look at what Dennis Law done, when you look at what Ryan Giggs done, Paul Scholes, I can't put him into the same category as them in terms of legend status. Is he a better footballer than all of them? Probably. Most definitely. But that doesn't make him more of a legend than them players. And I know people will disagree with me. Fitzy is saying it, Ronaldo, come on. But, you know, just to put it into that kind of perspective, you know, quality doesn't make you a legend, you know. And I, I just can't put Cristiano Ronaldo in the same category as Bobby Charlton. I just can't do it. I just can't do it, you know. I think longevity plays a big role with legend legend status at a club. You know, I really do. I really do. Um, Oshin, do you think we're UCC legends yet then? Ah, you are, lads. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> David says, uh, still convinced that Onana will be fine at United. Uh, he, like a lot of players, are just down on confidence at the moment. Patience needed. Absolutely. Uh, Reese says, just remember, Onana bought, uh, uh, brought his team uh, to the Champions League final. Luke says, uh, my granddad always said, grass is green far away. The injured players uh, or lads we missed are always better. Um, uh, Barry says, Ronaldo is a legend of the game. He is a legend of the game. Absolutely, he is. Um, Trapped says, still sack Andre Onana. Uh, Aaron says, Ronaldo, not in my eyes. Luke says, really, Ronaldo had a Ballon d'Or at United uh, at that age too. I, I know, I know, I know, Luke, I know. I, I was... 20 years of age when he won it. So I was right there, you know, but I don't know. I, I just, I don't feel the same. I don't feel the same warmth and to, I don't feel the same warmth towards Ronaldo as I do other legends, you know, or legends of Manchester United. I just don't. I really don't. Kieran, thanks for the gift. Much appreciated. Um, Let's see. Reese says uh, he wasn't there long enough. And when he was there in 08, 09, that was an incredible team too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, now he says Ronaldo left in his prime, uh, so wouldn't class him as a club legend. My point exactly. My point exactly. Uh, Michael says Roy, uh, Roy Keane, Dennis Irwin. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I agree with you, Michael. 100%. Luke says, is Irwin a legend at United? The modern fullback before the modern fullback. Uh, maybe Irish bias. No, I would put him... I would I would put him in a category below the likes of you know Charlton Best Law Scholes you know uh Giggs then you would have the likes of Keane um who else is there you know Keane maybe Peter Schmeichel uh Dennis Irwin you know these types of players you know um yeah you know, you, you could say as well, like, Ruud van Nistelrooy, for example. Is he a legend of Manchester United? Probably not. He wasn't here long enough to be a legend. He was a, one of the best strikers we've ever had. Is he a legend? I don't think so. But I just, I have a strict, I have a strict, uh, you know, I have a strict um, criteria to be a legend at the club. You know, I really do. Anyway, let's see what other people are saying. Um, Davis says, can we talk about how good Highland will be? Uh, he should have bags of gold so far if Rashford got his head up. I agree with you, David. I've been saying it for weeks on end now about uh, Highland and the lack of service that he's getting. Um, and I think, um, I think, uh, I think it's not just Rashford. That's that's what I would say as well. I don't think it's just Rashford. You know, Anthony on the other side likes to cut in and take a shot. Bruno, when he Bruno hasn't been creating as much this season as he normally would. So yeah, but but once he starts getting the service, he'll score goals. Um, are we dressing up for Halloween? If you want, if you want. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Yeah, a lot of people putting in their legend statuses here as well. Um, <laughs> ben says if Garnacho keeps messing them penalty spots up, uh, he'll be a legend in no time. Absolutely, absolutely, he will. Let's move it on, guys. Gr lo loving the chat uh, today. 
tonight. Really, I'm keep keep the comments coming in. Uh, I want to talk about uh, a bit about Jim Radcliffe and potential changes in the background that are going to be made if he does. Uh, get his minority investment confirmed. Uh, and reports from Laurie Whitwell in The Athletic today have suggested that Richard Arnold is likely to leave Manchester United in the event that Sir Jim Radcliffe's bid for a minority investment gets confirmed. Now, this is uh, coming directly from The Athletic. Uh, he's expected to leave his role as Manchester United Chief Executive uh, in the event Sir Jim Radcliffe succeeds. Uh, Arnold has held the position since taking over from Ed Woodward in February 2022. However, with the club's board set to vote on selling a 25% share uh, to Radcliffe, Arnold's future uh, has been discussed. Uh, Radcliffe wants sporting control for his proposed 1.3 billion investment and part of his plans to shake up the club structure. While not technically a football decision, Arnold understands his departure would likely uh, or departure would be likely in that event. Uh, the exact timeline for his exit, should a deal go through, remains unclear. However, um, Jean Claude Blanc, uh, the former Juventus chief executive uh, who left a high-ranking role as Paris Saint-Germain uh, last December to oversee the entire Ineos sport portfolio, is under consideration to replace Arnold at least in the interim. Um, a, spoke, a United spokesperson said we do not comment on speculation uh, club sources insisted Arnold's departure is not certain especially given Radcliffe must first complete his minority bid um, I think it's probably inevitable that Richard Arnold does go once Jim Radcliffe comes in and again it was something and it was mentioned there in the article by Laurie Whitwell that is this a footballing decision because what you know, if if Jim Radcliffe is going to take the reins of the footballing side of Manchester United, what falls under the footballing side? Is it appointing people to do the footballing roles or is it to govern the people that are in the footballing roles? Is it just solely to do with transfers? Is it to do with wages? Is it to do with the scouting? And these are all questions that need to be asked and answered by Jim Radcliffe first and foremost and you know by the wider fan base and the media and so on and so forth if he is to be successful but I do think Richard Arnold's time at Manchester United is probably limited now I would say he's had a very difficult time uh, as Manchester United CEO uh, because he's had to deal with the whole Mason Greenwood situation then there was the Anthony situation there was the Ronaldo there was you know the the, the club being up for sale or strikes or, or not strikes or protests. He he famously went and met fans in a in a pub and bought him around the drinks and all that kind of stuff. So while I, while I think he was more personable than Ed Woodward, I mean Ed Woodward didn't barely barely went to Manchester only you know for the for the odd games. He was based out of the the London offices in obviously in London, whereas you know Richard Arnold is based in Old Trafford, in the offices there. And then we've got John Murta, who's the director of football. He's based out of Carrington. So there is a more personal touch from these guys, but they still haven't... Um, they still haven't uh, done enough to... I mean, we, we it all comes down to... For, for people like this, you know, the likes of Arnold and the likes of Murta, it comes down to negotiating deals for players that you're judged on more than anything else, especially from the fan base. And we've seen the, the debacle of, you know, both of them traveling to Barcelona and the pictures of them trying to get the De Jong deal over the line. And then they travel straight from there. They didn't get De Jong. They travel straight from there to um, Turin to try and get uh, Rabiot over the line. And that deal fell through. And they came back with egg on their face. And it was pretty clear from day one that these guys are not up to the standards that we had before with the likes of Martin Edwards and, and you know, these previous, uh, you know, directors and, and, and CEOs that, you know, alongside Alex Ferguson could basically get, you know, 99% of any player they wanted, you know. Uh, so I do think it's inevitable that he does move on. Uh, but again, it's, it's, it's an area that, a lot of Manchester United, and not just Manchester United fans, but a lot of fans in general don't know who they want to succeed him. You know, we, there's been talks of Paul Mitchell coming in as maybe a director of football. Again, he's one that, you know, his portfolio and his his, his CV has been in the, 
the public domain for everybody to see. And I think I think that's why he gets a lot of um he gets a lot of thumbs up from from United fans. But again, I mean, when it comes to CEOs, we don't know who Jean-Claude Blanc is. You know, I've never heard of him until a couple of weeks ago, until Jim Radcliffe. Uh, and we just have to, we basically just have to trust Jim Radcliffe's, uh, his knowledge of what is needed to run a football club. And again, I go back to the the age-old saying that I've I've said an awful lot. Jim Radcliffe's most important job is to appoint competent people in competent areas, footballing people in footballing roles at the club. And if he does that with competent footballing people, then Manchester United will improve and will, you know, hopefully be successful. Uh, Scott says, Arnold gives a statement saying, I'll be back. Uh, I'll be back. Niall says, how long will the Glazers drag out the Radcliffe deal? I don't see their, I don't see why they would drag it out, to be honest, because the longer it goes on, the further the shares or share price of Manchester United are dropping. So I think it's probably within their interest to get it done as quickly as possible. Uh, Luke says, what do you think of the whole Potter talk? Uh, I'm Eric Ten Hagin, but why are they even planting that seed in the mind of fans makes everything uncertain? Well, see, Luke, I'm not sure what age you are, Luke. But you you have to be knowledgeable enough to claw your way through the shit that's on the internet. You know, when I heard, you know, the, the story about Potter potentially coming in because Jim Radcliffe likes him and stuff like this, there was so, I mean, if you just stop for a second, and read the actual article. There's so many ifs and buts in it. You know, if Jim Radcliffe is successful in his takeover of Manchester United and he gets the footballing role within the club, he could potentially bring in Potter if Terry Eric Ten Hag continues his poor run of fire. You know, it was just nonsense after nonsense after nonsense. There's no substance to it whatsoever. And you just have to be able to wade through the shite on the internet and just look at who's reporting, you know. There's a, there's journalists out there that you can go, okay, like we just spoke about, you know, like we see on the screen here, Laurie Whitwell. You know, Laurie Whitwell is a credible journalist, you know, and you can take what he says 99% of the time to be accurate because these guys do their homework, you know. And, you know, when you're talking about the Athletic or when you talk about, you know, like there's, there's, you could talk about Ben Jacobs, for example, is very close to the club. You know, you see the same names popping up all of the time. And, you know, but then you go and you listen to, you know, Neil Custis in The Sun, for example, and it's just absolute dribble all of the time. Uh, absolute nonsense and yeah, soap opera kind of stories, you know, more than actual footballing issues, you know. So yeah, I'm all I'm all for Eric Ten Hag. We said this about Eric Ten Hag the other night, okay? Eric Ten Hag should be nowhere near even considered being let go by Manchester United. One, first and foremost, personally, because I think he's a very good manager. Two. And probably most importantly, is this current Manchester United team an Eric Ten Hag team? We said it the other night. Onana, he bought. Delo, he didn't buy. Maguire, he didn't buy. Varane, he didn't buy. Regulon is on loan. Amrabat is on loan. Uh, Casemiro, he bought. I, although that was a club buy. I don't think Eric Ten Hag actually wanted him. Scott McTominay, he didn't buy. Bruno, he didn't buy. Anthony, he has to hold his hands up for that one because... Right, that might be the best. Highland he bought, who's going to be very good. Rashford, he didn't buy. Garnacho, he didn't buy. Mason Mount probably has to hold his hands up on that one as well. So there's what? Four players there, really, that Eric Ten Hag bought? Now, can you really have an impact on a team if you only bring in four players, really? You know, and we said it when Eric Ten Hag got the job that 
it was part of his job description that it wasn't just to bring in players. He was to his job was to try and improve players that are currently there as well. And I think he's probably realizing slowly but surely that a lot of the players that, that were at the club before he got there are actually not good enough to even improve to a level that he wants them to be at, you know. And I think that's one of the main reasons why um he needs time, you know. He needs time to reshape this this team. And the, the main, main, main example of this is Arteta at Arsenal. Look at what he done, you know. For for two for the first two seasons, two and a half seasons, Arsenal fans were all over Arteta saying, Arteta out, Arteta out, Arteta out. You know, the, the club backed him. They allowed him to get rid of the players that he wanted to get rid of. And they allowed him to bring in the players that he wanted to bring in, albeit liaison with the likes of Edu and the footballing director and, and so on and so forth. And now look at what they're doing, you know. But all of these nonsense United fans, these fucking fools that think get rid of Ten Hag and get in Deserby or something like that. Yeah. And let's set ourselves back another two years where you're going to have another fucking manager coming in, bringing in his own players, bringing in his own set of ideas, resetting the whole philosophy of the team and doing away with all of the good work that Eric Ten Hag is doing and the standards that he's setting. For what? For no reason. We've got a very capable manager there. He needs to be backed more both in the transfer market and in terms of trying to get players off the books and out of the club. And we're going to talk about one player in particular now in a moment. But that's the reason why I think Eric Ten Hag has to get time. He really, really does. He has to get time. Um, so, yeah, let's see what people are saying in the, in the comments section here. Um, Reese says, I can imagine scouting is a fun and good job, uh, but very hard because you have to work really hard to find the best of the best, like Sir Alex. He was crazy good as a manager and finding young talent. Oshin says, Ed Woodward was made out uh, of spare parts uh, of London bankers. I'm convinced he's not a real person. Oshin also says, Sir Alex has his brother as a scout. That's why he trusted him so much. Uh, I said it earlier, paper talk, United News sells papers. Absolutely. Scott says, too many headline readers out there, to be fair. Ten Hag's army. Love it. Nothing wrong uh, with soap opera stories. There's not, Oshin. There's not. There's not. Especially when you direct them. So there you go. Uh, Niall says, he's going to have a few bad boys. Fergie had a few as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. He has. Absolutely has. Speaking of uh, transfers and, and maybe, you know, players leaving and so on and so forth. Let's talk about Jaden Sancho, uh, because uh, I suppose more reports have come out today in relation to what Sancho can and can't do at Old Trafford. He's been isolated from first-team facilities and team and all of that kind of stuff. And while it is extreme, I think... Let's just, let, let, let's just get into it here. So, Jaden Sancho... Uh, and, and this is again coming out from Laurie Whitwell in The Athletic. Jaden Sancho was not allowed in the senior Manchester United facilities. So as part of his car near the academy building and got uh, ready there before going out to an adjacent pitch. While changing uh, into training gear, he has to lock himself inside the academy dressing room uh, uh, owing, uh, owing to safeguarding directives, ensuring he does not inadvertently mix with any underage players. He is also prohibited from using the first-team canteen. Instead, his food is brought to him in a lunchbox across the walkway, uh, which is lined by a mural listing all of the players who have graduated from the academy to senior football. Uh, it goes on then to say, in mid-September, Ten Hag took Jaden Sancho through videos of training to explain why he felt the players' output had been insufficient. Sancho uh, had been asked to replicate Arsenal's style against the chosen MUFC 11 ahead of the game, but he already knew that he was not going to be selected for the fixture, and in Ten Hag's eyes, Sancho failed to commit to the drill as expected, and the pair had words. So there we go. Um, first and foremost, let's let's talk about this piece first, and, and Sancho not being allowed to, you know, have any part in... in, in senior Manchester United facilities at, at Carrington. Now, Sancho not being allowed, you know, anywhere near the first team in Manchester United, while it is very, very stern, I think it's necessary. 
and and the reason there's a couple of reasons for this. Okay, first and foremost, and most importantly, the manager is in charge, and the manager is the boss. And if you do not do what the manager tells you, that would be the sword that you die on. It really will. Every ten Hag has to show to everybody, not just that 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 is at the club now, but any future players that come into the club down the line, that he is the boss and that nobody crosses the boss. And if you do, this is what happens. You're extradited. You're gone. You can train with the under-18s, you know, and pick up your check. Let's see how happy you are picking up 300 grand a week and you're training with the under-18s and, and not playing any competitive games. The other reason why I think it's vitally important is because we've seen over the last 10 years that Manchester United find it very difficult to get players out the door especially when they're on big money. And I think this is a very good advert for players at Manchester United that don't want to leave. Okay, you don't want to leave? Fine. You, you'll play with the 18s. You'll play with the reserves. You will have nothing to do with the first-team squad if I don't think you're up to standard, you know. And I think it looks like Jaden Sancho is going to leave Manchester United in January, whether that be on a full on a permanent move or whether it's a loan with an option to buy down the line, so on and so forth. Do you think if this happened under Solskjaer that Jaden Sancho, let's say Jaden Sancho was isolated like this, you know, under Solskjaer, do you think he'd be gone in January? He would in his left one. He'd just stay there, he'd pick up his check and Solskjaer would cave and he'd bring him back eventually when he needed him. Ten Hag is not going to do that unless he apologises. The manager is in charge and now we see a real kind of stern and clear way of getting players out of the club that might be on, or that, that potentially getting players out of the club that are on big money. That's my own personal opinion. Let me know what you think. But uh, I think while it is extreme and some people might say it's unfair, I think it's necessary. I think it's necessary. Um and then on to the second part. I mean, the second part, you know, just explains itself, really. You know, Ten Hag sits down with Jaden Sancho and goes through videos explaining why he felt the player's output has been insufficient. Okay? Sancho has been asked to replicate Arsenal's style against the chosen Manchester United eleven ahead of the game. So he knows he's already not going to be selected for the fixture. And he just doesn't put in the effort. This stinks of a player that cannot take any form of criticism. And as a footballer, at any level, you have to be able to take criticism from your managers and from your coaches. Because if you don't, you won't improve. Now, there's ways of dealing with criticism. Or there's ways of, of um, dishing out criticism. You know, it can be in a very um, constructive way or a deconstructive way. And... By the sounds of this, it looks very constructive from Ten Hag. Sitting down one-on-one -on -one with Jaden Sancho, going through videos, really trying to help him. This is on the back of last season where he gave him three months off, put his arm around him when he came back, smiling arm-in-arm -arm on the touchline. And this is how Sancho, Sancho pays him back. I think it's... Uh, I think it's... Uh, and, and you know what? I'm really happy because I said from day one, the second this news broke, I was on Ten Hag's side. And I got a lot of flack in comments of, of some of the, the videos that I uploaded about this, you know, from the fanboys. You know, these guys who support players more than they do the actual football club. Guys who love Ronaldo more than they love Manchester United. And Jaden Sancho falls into that category as well with some of these, uh, some of these fans. No, Jaden Sancho is the man. We can't you know, just treating like this. And so Ten Hag is wrong. And he's, you know, people were even bringing in racial uh, arguments into it. And it's just absolute nonsense. The manager is in charge. You do what the manager says, or you're gone. End of story. Uh, and if you don't like it, then lump it. You know, simple as that. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. Uh, do, 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 do. What are people saying here? Uh, Niall says, needs to be sold, not loaned. Rather leave him rot in the under-18s and pay his full wages than see him playing football uh, and United paying half of his wages. Uh, Luke says, I understand uh, that it's, uh, it is 
a bit far bringing uh, the food over, etc. But locking uh, a room, locking him in a room by yourself feels inhumane. Uh, being completely isolated and what we know of his mental health. Well, the reason for that more than anything, Luke, is the fact that he cannot get changed with the under-18s because he's an adult and they're children. You, you can't do that. By law, you can't do that. So that's the reason why he has to get changed on his own. I'm sure there are days there where, you know, there are other uh, senior players that are that are training with the under-18s. Like if you're coming back from an injury or something, you know, you'll go and, and, and do a few training sessions with the under-18s to get back up to speed and then, you know, they'd have to get changed away from the under-18s as well and so on and so forth. It's just the fact that Ten Hag does not want him within the first-team squad. He has to go and, 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 and train with the under-18s and, and, and that's, you know, that's the rule. Uh, the time off he was allowed uh, in Germany, uh, it was Holland, uh, and then come back uh, and get nearly exiled. Um, by all accounts, not Sancho's first time. I blame uh, participation trophies. Yeah, look, and and a, a lot of the blame for this has to go on the club itself and what kind of do. Why can't I get out them two words tonight for some reason? Due diligence. I didn't even say it right there. Due diligence. Due diligence. Due diligence. There we go. <laughs> the club didn't do their due diligence when they signed Jadon Sancho because he had previous at Bruce Dortmund turning up late for training, turning up late for games, supposedly staying up all night playing FIFA. He had a similar issue at Man City under Pep Guardiola. You think Pep Guardiola would have got rid of a talent like Jadon Sancho for no reason? You know, and I think it's pretty clear. Um, so I think a lot of the blame has to fall on the club as well. It really does. Is there any way back for Sancho, even with an apology? I think if he... Fitz, I think if he apologises publicly to Ten Hag and to maybe his teammates, I think he comes back and he plays games for United. But I still think we sell him. You know, I think we use him until we can get rid of him. But if he doesn't apologise, then, you know, he, he doesn't feature at all for Manchester United. Uh... I'm going to say it, Oshin. Did the club do their due diligence or did they do their due diligence they should have been doing? I <laughs> oh, love it, love it, love it. Um, finally, guys, I do want to... Uh, I do want to just discuss what was announced today in terms of the revenue for Manchester United. I made a TikTok a couple of weeks, uh, about a week ago, about uh, when when Qatar pulled out the race. I was saying, will they maybe go for a Liverpool who were up for sale? And I said, the reason why maybe Liverpool were up for sale and then all of a sudden Morton when United went up for sale was because any owner, any buyer would probably want to buy United first because of the revenue is more and, you know, the, the, the fan base is bigger. And I got so many Liverpool fans coming back saying, what are you on about? Liverpool's revenue is more than United. You know, well, not that I'm bragging about this, but look, have a, have a bit of that. United have overseen an annual record, uh, have seen a record annual revenue turnover by an English club at 648.4 million but the most important of all is that there has been no dividend to owners and shareholders for the first time in seven years. Now, the fact that it's like them two words there, look, let me zoom in on them two words. Seven years. Seven years they've been just taking dividends out of the club. The only club in the Premier League that has dividends taken out, Manchester United and this is the first time that they haven't done it in seven years. Yeah. They, what we do have to take into, into account, and the most annoying part of it all, is there is going to be more dividends taken out of the club in future years because the Glazers remain, and they will remain. How long that will be for, your guess is as good as mine. But I think we've made the first... Obviously, it, it, it's not... It's, it hasn't been ratified yet. But I think we've made the first move to actually getting the Glazers out of the club. If we're to believe that Jim Radcliffe's 25% stake is a first step towards, you know, 
eventually owning the club in full. And if that's the case, I'm okay with it. I really am. People don't remember of August last year, August 2022, there was rumblings about Radcliffe potentially wanting to buy Manchester United and that the internet exploded with Manchester United fans saying, please, Jim, buy us, save us, please, you know, sir, Jim Radcliffe in, Glazers out, all this kind of stuff, you know. Now he's the devil. To a lot of fans, to a lot of... Narrow-minded fans, I would say. People are entitled to their opinions. I am disappointed that it's not Qatar because Qatar meant Glazer's gone. But if Jim Radcliffe coming in with 25% now is the first step towards the Glazers leaving and Jim Radcliffe owning it in full in two or three years' time, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Um... Oshin says, uh, can they take dividends while the sale is going on? No doubt they bloody wanted to. I'm not sure, to be honest, Oshin. That is way above my pay grade on uh, on this one. But um, but yeah, look, I mean, it's uh, they're not going anywhere anytime soon. So we're going to have to get used to them for a couple of years. But look, if it's Jim Radcliffe that's doing the football inside of it, brilliant. Because that's the side that's been... That's the side that's been deteriorating over the last 10 years. I mean, just look at it again there. Record turnover. So the financial side of the club is okay. It's the footballing side of the club that we need fixing. And if Jim Radcliffe is going to take over and do that instead of the Glazers, it can't be any worse. It just cannot be any worse. Um, right, guys, we'll leave it there. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Please do smash a like on the video and hit subscribe if you're new to the channel as well. Uh, anybody that wants to uh, become an official member of the channel, link is in the description as well. Uh, please go check it out. Look at the options there uh, as well. I posted today on the community tab for any new members. If you do want to join our private WhatsApp group, the link to do so is on the community tab on the YouTube homepage. Uh, so go click on that link and you can join in on the private um whatsapp group that we have uh, so make sure you get involved in that one of the perks of being a member uh, we will be doing the watch along on saturday or on sunday sorry uh, but the uh, match preview will be up tomorrow evening about four o'clock uh, so keep an eye out for that tomorrow hit the bell notification if you haven't already done so and you get notified once that goes up on youtube and uh, just give it a like Get your comments in, the usual kind of stuff. Thanks for watching, guys. We'll be back tomorrow night from 9 o'clock. Another Manchester United news show. Uh, and, of course, then we've got the Derby on Sunday. Come on, United. <laughs> I'll chat to you soon. Take care.